Sarah and I are super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And I know for me, I have super sun-sensitive blue eyes. So not only does Oakley check my fashion box, but it checks my necessity box. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Maybe you run, maybe you golf, maybe you just flat out train. I don't know. Maybe you just want to look like Lamar Action Jackson. If any of those are true, you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self. Really, it's an expression of your personality. There's more than meets the eye. And here on The Vault, we're all about look good, feel good, perform good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We do not leave the house in the morning without rocking our Oakleys. And hey, since it's officially almost summer, you may want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I know my go-to sunglasses are the custom frog skins, so maybe take an extra look at them while you're there. Oakley even offers prism lens technology, which is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. But don't just trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life. I know Sarah has as well. We feel like we can both confidently say that Oakley's not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. So head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. You know, Sarah, it's time to put the Lamar Jackson off-season drama behind us now that he's signed his long-term deal and officially arrived at the Ravens facility for the first week of OTAs. Yeah, Bobby, all that drama and whining should be shut down, even if it's temporarily. And we can now begin to shift our focus to actual football. So that's what we're going to do today as I outline four benefits of Lamar being present at OTAs while John Harbaugh outlines how he'll ease his quarterback into the new offense. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host Sarah Ellison. It is Wednesday, May 24th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. During his first press conference as a New York Jet, former Baltimore Ravens safety Chuck Clark, uh, he had some strong words for his former organization in the Ravens. Plus, as much talk as there's been about certain players needing to prove themselves by participating in OTAs, should the Ravens also have to prove themselves in a sense, given changes made to their strength and conditioning department this offseason? I'll get into that. Yeah, we have all of that and more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. So, Sarah, over the weekend, we reported that Lamar would arrive in Owings Mills for the Ravens voluntary organized offseason activities this week. And that has indeed been proven true. He reported to team headquarters on Tuesday, according to the Athletics' Jeff Zarebek, one day ahead of the second OTA session scheduled 
for today, later this afternoon. And Bobby, this should really officially mark a turning point in this offseason. With contract negotiations behind us and with him in the building, there's really no need for drama or whining about him anymore. Now, now I'm not naive enough to think that no new complaints about Lamar will surface. He will forever be a polarizing figure. But listen, we didn't even know a couple months ago if he was going to be the franchise quarterback. I'm ready to enjoy the next few months. It's exciting times in Baltimore. I'm ready to soak it up until the season begins. This offensive roster is set, and now it's time to install this new Todd Munkin offense. And John Harbaugh told the Adam Jones podcast what that will look like. Yeah, well, Lamar's going to be ready, and he's going to be here doing the things he needs to do to learn the offense and be involved. And we're going to pace that out just a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't need him to be in there running, running the team thing full speed the first day or anything like that. That's really not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we pace him and the offense up together. So you got to work Odell in. we got to work Mark in. A lot of the younger guys have been here already. Tyler and, uh, and Anthony have been, have been running the offense even up until this OTA week that we're having right now. So uh, we're going to just pace our way up a little bit. But Lamar is going to merge in full speed as he goes, and he'll be ready to roll. I think he'll be rolling in minicamp. I know he'll be rolling in training camp and – and uh, I'm just excited, man. I'm excited for him. <clears throat> I'm excited for the uh, the weapons we got around him. The offensive line is going to be really good. So, partner, you've been on record last year that you didn't care if Lamar was at OTAs. That was last year. And while you weren't pounding the table for it, you did say it was more necessary this time around, right? Yeah, because, Bobby, circumstances have changed for sure. I mean, last year, Lamar obviously knew Greg Roman's offense like the back of his hand. He had all basically the same targets in the passing game. So I didn't think it was necessary from those standpoints. But let's also not forget that he was in the middle of contract negotiations. Not only is it a common practice for players who are negotiating to hold out of voluntary sessions, but some guys don't even show up for the mandatory ones either or even training camp. And I'll tell you what. There were a lot of people pounding the table for him to get an agent. If he had had an agent, I guarantee that that agent wouldn't have let him even step foot on the field during the regular season until he got a deal that he wanted. So I had no problem with him not being there last year, but Lamar loved his teammates and he loved the game too much to do that. In fact, I want to point out how much Lamar does love this game and his teammates because he's always actually had great OTA attendance prior to last year. He had been Bobby to every single one in his first four years of his career. And last year was the first time he missed. And again, it was due to that contract situation. He's honestly, he should have more of a reputation as being a workhorse, even when he was advised not to be. So to me, it's not a surprise that now that he has his contract behind him, that he's back to his normal routine and at OTAs. Okay, so being that circumstances have changed, let's get to your four benefits for him to be showing up this time around. Yeah, okay, so the first benefit is the most obvious, and that's that Todd Munkin is bringing a new offense to town, and Lamar Jackson is the linchpin of this offense. Right now, Lamar doesn't know the offense, the weapons don't know it. Nobody really knows it. So in order to hit the ground running week one, this time around, OTAs are going to help. Now, the second benefit will be to get on the same page with all his new weapons at wide receiver. Odo Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar are all new to catching Lamar Jackson passes. And by the way, at tight end, Charlie Kohler, remember, he's coming back from injury too, so he doesn't 
I don't even know if he caught any passes from Lamar last season. I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that he was hurt before Lamar came during those mandatory sessions. And you know what? Sometimes guys will have instant chemistry, but sometimes it's a process of getting on the same page. So this will definitely be a benefit to having Lamar here. You know, as you're reading off those names, I'm thinking to myself how crazy it's going to be. The fact that Lamar's stepping onto the field with Odell Beckham Jr., two first rounders in Zay and Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar as more than just a depth piece, you hope, knowing that number eight won an MVP with Marquise Brown, Seth Roberts, Willie Sneed, and Miles Boykin. That was his wide receiver room. So you'd like <laughs> to think upgrade. on paper. Yeah, it is a big upgrade. Yeah. You'd like to think, hey, on paper, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch, assuming that everybody stays healthy. But on to your third benefit. Okay, well, I'll combine my final to the third and fourth benefits by leaning into a quote from former NFL head coach and ESPN analyst Herm Edwards. Well, it's very important. And, and, you know, uh, Adam mentioned the number, (laughs) 185 million guaranteed. You know, he needs to be there. Think about this. Two months ago, three months ago, we were we were worried about Lamar Jackson maybe not playing for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. He's back in the fold with the Ravens. This team has energy. But also, this is what's unique about this situation. Lamar Jackson for years has been looked by looked upon by other uh, people outside of the organization. Well, he's kind of this quarterback, but he runs around, he makes a lot of plays, he's the MVP, but we don't know if he can really play from the pocket. Well, it behooves Lamar Jackson this year to learn how to play from the pocket. Why? Because he needs to finish the season. He's missed he's missed games at the end of the season in playoff runs. Now he has some people around him mm. where he can throw the ball in the pocket that can make plays for him. He doesn't have to make all the plays anymore. That's unique for Lamar Jackson. This is going to be fun to watch. Okay, so my third benefit is that Lamar will be able to use these transitions to get back to being a pass-first quarterback that he already was at Louisville in college. Some people in the pros don't think he can do it. He already did in college. And you heard Edwards mention that Lamar can extend his career by being a pocket passer. Now, the only problem in how Edwards said it was that he implied that Lamar has been injured while running, which just isn't true. He was hurt both times the last two years from the pocket. That being said, I do agree with Herm when he said that Lamar will no longer need to be Superman, at least the way he's been in the past. And in theory, having to run less, he'll still run, but having to run less should indeed extend his career. And so getting to my fourth and final benefit of attending OTAs is simply just positive optics for Lamar and less angst and drama surrounding him. Now, you'll notice Edwards mentioned that clip that Lamar's contract is a reason that you come to OTAs. I personally disagree. It's often the guys with the biggest contracts that don't need to come. And I felt that way about Ray Lewis, Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs, too. That being said, This brand new contract combined with new weapons that Lamar did request. And then this new offense, the optics wouldn't have looked good if he were absent. So optics to me, it's not a real reason to come, but it certainly is a benefit. And I know I'll take it getting past all the drama and all the hand wringing and all the whining will certainly be welcomed. Still to come here on The Vault, Chuck Clark had a lot to say about his former organization during his first press conference as a New York Jet. Stay tuned. All right, Bobby, former Raven safety Chuck Clark. He met with the New York media for the first time since being traded to the Jets earlier this offseason. 
and seemingly had to get some stuff off of his chest. Yeah, and Sarah, after not missing a single defensive snap in 2022 and being developed into a reliable starter as a former sixth-round pick back in 2017 by Baltimore, I got to be honest, I was surprised to hear Chuck speak about his former club the way he did on Tuesday. Now, remember, Chuck was traded to New York back in March for a future seventh rounder, and he was asked on Tuesday by New York media if he saw it coming at the time. Uh, yeah, I saw it coming. Uh, I asked for that last year, and uh, they wouldn't do it last year. And so they, we finally kind of got, got to an agreement throughout the year, like, okay, you know, when the year is over, you know, we knew what was going to happen. So I, I was ready to get out of there. Why? Uh, just the situation that I was put in. And uh, I, they, the things that were said to me and the, posi the position that I felt that I was on the team, I wasn't being respected at the time. So it was time for a new change. So again, some strong words there from Chuck, who really was nothing but mild-mannered, business-like, and by the book throughout his time with the Ravens, which is why it caught me so off guard, Sarah. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, we did know that he wasn't thrilled, right, with the team's decision to spend big free agent dollars on Marcus Williams just to then draft Kyle Hamilton 14th overall the following month. And Bobby, both you and I praised him several times as being a consummate pro with the way he handled himself after not getting his trade request granted. I remember he said that they'd have to take his starting spot from him and he competed and never let that starting spot go. I respected him and still do so much for that. So to go from that, that consummate pro to now leaving and then saying he was disrespected. Yeah, I'm like you. I'm, I was surprised a little bit. Now, we don't know all that happened behind the scenes, but what we do know and Chuck admitted this. We do know that he felt slightly disrespected in part because of Kyle Hamilton's presence. And Bobby, this is where I just don't agree. I've said this before with other guys like Patrick Queen. I do not agree with players' feelings of disrespect just because a team drafts prospects out of college, whether that's the first round, fourth round, or whenever. Do they expect Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh to get their permission? to draft other players at their position? Do they have to get their permission? Like, is it okay if I draft a fourth rounder, but no, I can't do a first rounder? Uh, listen, I still got lots of love for Chuck, but sorry, that is just not how things work. Iron sharpens iron, right? I mean, that's kind of what we hear feels like every single summer throughout a season, um, you know, in Baltimore when it comes to competition, building a roster, you name it. But, uh, I wanted to dig a little deeper into the Kyle Hamilton piece of this puzzle because I was recently told that Chuck didn't exactly welcome the rookie in with open arms last summer. So here he is in that same press conference from Tuesday when asked if it was indeed Kyle's arrival that had him feeling some type of way. Yeah, I, yeah that and a few other things that happened as well. And like I said, I was a starter on the team and not trying to go too far into it, but as far as contract talks and money talks, you know, it, it was some things that weren't being respected there at the moment. So, yeah. so, Sarah, clearly there was something more going on aside from the fact that competition was added around him. And it sure sounds like he has his gripes with Baltimore's front office about the business side of things. Now, something clearly changed after his exit interview back in January, not long after the Bengals lost, which sounded like this. We'll figure it out. We can talk some next couple weeks and whatnot, but I don't know. Do you have a sense of what you want to happen? Yeah, I know what I want to happen. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, 
to me at the end of the day. I mean, I would like to control it, but we'll see. And is, is that to stay here and keep, keep doing? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's a team that drafted me. You know, I, I've been here all my career, comfortable here. I know the, know the guys, the locker room, the environment. But, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you might gotta step out of your comfort zone. You know, I mean, you never know what's gonna happen. Okay, Bobby, as much as we've discussed the idea of certain Ravens players needing to prove themselves to the organization, right, by attending voluntary OTAs, I wonder, is it fair to discuss if the organization needs to prove itself to the players, at least in the strength and conditioning department? You know what? Given how loud of an offseason it was in that department, I think it's more than fair to wonder and that's exactly what Glenn Clark did during his local radio show on Tuesday in Baltimore. And we remember that report card that came out where like literally everyone in the NFL got positive grades for their strength staff, except for one team that got an F minus and like a legitimately, I've never seen this in Ravens history before where players, including active players came out so strongly against Steve Saunders and the strength staff in Baltimore. And I just wonder what the impact of that is and if you know when you just replace the guy with the guy that was working with him before i've i've not been able to get guys to tell me directly that they still think it's a problem but i i can't imagine that everybody is just copacetic when it was clearly that poisonous to the point where the ravens who were the most injured team in football for a couple of years and who had players directly blaming the strength that staff for that I wonder how that impacts these types of situations. So first off, we know that the Ravens dismissed strength and conditioning coach Steve Saunders back in February and then promoted his assistant, Scott Elliott, to serve as his replacement right away. Now, knowing the team literally received an F minus on their player driven report card for strength and conditioning specifically, I find it more than fair to wonder whether players would rather spend time focusing right on their trusted training regiments instead of committing to something brand new. Perhaps it's not fully brand new, but maybe it hasn't been fully bought into quite yet, given everything that's transpired over the last couple of years. Yeah, totally. I mean, they could stay, some of these guys could stay in their home states and be with trainers that they trust. And so, you know, the Ravens are saying, no, come to us, come trust us again after getting an F minus. So yeah, I, I mean, that's, I think that's totally fair. And I know you spent some time on Tuesday gathering Intel Okay, from both current and past players on this exact topic. So what were you able to come up with? Yeah, I did. And before we get there, though, I just wanted to share one more clip from Glenn's show from when he was joined by PFT's Mike Florio, who suggested that John Harbaugh may have been guilty of enabling Saunders and the strength training culture they were all in on under his leadership. Listen to this. You just wonder how much of their attitude is a manifestation of what the head coach I, I agree. and how much it goes back to John Harbaugh. Yep. I, I strongly agree with that, right? Like we know John Harbaugh is a guy that's kind of like he, if he had his way, three a days would still exist, right? Like that's his mentality. And I, again, I've never sensed that it created a rift between the players and John Harbaugh. I've had nobody tell me anything like that, but it's, it's weird to me how we've just kind of not like the, so publicly Rashad Bateman, who is going to be a significant part of this football team was attacking publicly what existed here. And we're just kind of moving on from that because we were so distracted by the Lamar. 
Jackson topic over the course of the last few months. So along those same lines, Sarah, I reached back out to former Raven Derek Wolf, who really kickstarted this entire conversation, if you remember, right? Last year, when I went on his Denver radio show before the Ravens and Broncos faced off. And he told me Tuesday, this week, that Harbaugh definitely enabled Steve Saunders and that Saunders was the reason the Ravens typically start to fall apart physically as the duration of a season goes on. Derek told me that Saunders is the reason the whole team got COVID in 2020. And Derek, which he's, he's talked about that many times before. And he also said he felt that that team in 2020 during the pandemic season was championship caliber. Yeah, I mean, Derek essentially doubled down on past remarks aimed at Saunders there. He's on record for telling you last year that Saunders' program is the sole reason that he was forced to retire from the NFL abruptly and prematurely. Which certainly legitimized Rashad Bateman's Twitter outburst back in March, which is right around the same time that these report cards were released. Now, there's more from Derek, though, because I was curious and honestly still am curious about how Scott Elliott's presence changes things from a strength training standpoint, being that he worked under Saunders. Derek told me that he still loves the assistant coaches who were under Saunders and that they're great dudes. He also singled out Elliot and called him awesome. Now, as for what a current player just told me on Tuesday, uh, this player has been fully entrenched in the offseason program. He had to say this, quote, it's definitely different, but I think in a good way. There's a better vibe in the workouts. And I believe guys are liking it so far. Close quote. And before we fly, some other quick news items, beginning with Patrick Queen posting his weight on Instagram as he heads to the Ravens OTAs. The scale has him at 231 pounds, which is down nearly 15 from 245 last year. So that should give more speed to an already speedy linebacker, but hopefully he still has enough mass to deliver those big hits. And finally, NBC Sports Chris Sims was asked how close the Ravens are being to threaten the Super Bowl champs Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're damn close. Like a team that when we go through the exercise in a few months where I, we have to pick a Super Bowl winner in August, I'm going to go this is one of the shortlist teams that I think can be there or go to the Super Bowl. I thought that last year if Lamar could just get healthy towards the end of the year. We saw that. That Bengals-Ravens playoff game, it was on the NFL Network the other day. I mean, damn. We're talking about the team, the Bengals, where we go, well, we think they should have gone to the Super Bowl. They kind of got screwed over in the AFC championship game and got a little unlucky against the Chiefs, right? Well, here's a team without their best player who toe-to-toe was like, so? Okay, we're on the one-inch line, about to go up seven in the fourth quarter, so I'm a believer, Mike, in the Ravens and what they are. Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. As you probably know by now, we have been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. And with your membership support, you'll give us a chance to keep churning out daily Ravens content for years to come. And a special shout out to two of our returning patrons, Lisa and Bryant Mason. We appreciate your support. And we'd love to hear from everyone, whether you're a patron or not, with comments, questions, or if you'd be interested in advertising, you can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And that is all the time we've got today. 
But one more shout out. Be sure to submit your questions for this month's mailbag episode, which is coming up later this week. 